Our scripture this morning is Micah 7. Woe is me, for I have become as when the summer fruit has been gathered. As when the grapes have been gleaned, there is no cluster to eat, no first ripe fig that my soul desires. The godly has perished from the earth, and there is no one upright among mankind. They all lie in wait for blood, and each hunts the other with a net. Their hands are on what is evil to do it well. The prince and the judge ask for a bribe, and the great man utters the evil desire of his soul. Thus they weave it together. The best of them is like a briar, the most upright of them a thorn hedge. The day of your watchman of your punishment has come. Now their confusion is at hand. Put no trust in a neighbor. Have no confidence in a friend. Guard the doors of your mouth from her who lies in your arms. For the son treats the father with contempt. The daughter rises up against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own house. But as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Rejoice not over me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him until he pleads my cause and executes judgment for me. He will bring me out of the light. I shall look upon his vindication. Then my enemy will see and shame will cover her who said to me, where is the Lord your God? My eyes will look upon her. Now she will be trampled down like the mire of the streets. A day for the building of your walls. In that day, the boundaries shall be far extended. In that day, they will come to you from Assyria and the cities of Egypt, and from Egypt to the river, from sea to sea, and from mountain to mountain. But the earth will be desolate because of its inhabitants, for the fruit of their deeds. Shepherd your people with your staff the flock of your inheritance, who dwell alone in a forest, in the midst of a garden land. Let them graze in Bashan and Gilead, as in the days of old. As in the days when you came out of the land of Egypt, I will show them marvelous things. The nations shall see and be ashamed of all their might. They shall lay their hands on their mouths, their ears shall be deaf. They shall lick the dust like a serpent, like the crawling things of the earth. They shall come trembling out of their strongholds. They shall turn in dread to the Lord our God, and they shall be in fear of you. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever, because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will show faithfulness to Jacob and steadfast love to Abraham, as you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old. This is the word of our God. Uh, before I begin, I want to say a hearty thank you to our parking crew. This is not easy weather to serve on that team, and so would you uh, say thank you to them this morning? Uh, We so appreciate their work and serving out in this uh, cold uh, weather. Uh, Daryl Gaddy is one of the guys on that crew, and Daryl wears shorts, I think, all but like four days a year. 
And so when I saw him this morning without shorts on, I said, it's cold. You know, that, that, that lets us know it's cold, uh, but so grateful for them and what they do. Well, uh, we're beginning a new series this morning on worry. And uh, this series uh, uh, really, uh, I must uh, be honest with you in saying that for uh, the longest time, I didn't think I struggled with worry. I really, I think I thought of others who had what I would consider to be extreme problems with worry, maybe folks that I would sit with uh, as I counsel people, and I would see these folks with extreme problems with worry, and I think, I thought, well, I'm not like them. I don't worry as they do. But in my preparation for this series and in some reading I'm doing, I've discovered that indeed perhaps it has grown as I've gotten older. I'm not sure. I worry. I I, I actually woke up this morning worried, and I couldn't put my finger on it. I, I didn't know what it was. I just woke up with a worried feeling. And uh, when I did, I immediately began to pray because uh, uh, unidentified worry sometimes seems worse than something you're worried about, right? That you're puzzled as to why you feel worried when you're you're trying to put your finger on it. Uh, But worry is very real. Uh, I hesitate to recommend a book I haven't finished, but uh, I'm going to. I'm reading a book by Amy Simpson called Anxious. It is so far really good. And so I would recommend this at this point. Now, if it gets heretical later, that's my disclaimer. So far, it's good. And uh, here is what she says, and this is where I, I think I found myself. This is a book for people like me who, until the last few years, never thought I was a worrier. I was so accustomed to living with a certain level of fear that I felt but couldn't see. I truly believed I didn't have a problem with worry. And yet each day I moved from worry to worry, fueled by an anxiety so constant, I noticed it only when it spiked to a level higher than usual. I allowed it to alter my course, mute my sense of calling, keep me quiet when I should have spoken, and keep me speaking when I should have been quiet. Um, Worry, uh, she says a little bit later, willful worry amounts to rejection of God's character and damages our capacity for the life he calls us to. I think, and it's just my opinion, that worry has been accelerated recently by two things. One, I think, is 9-11. So I think 9-11 ushered in an increased, heightened worry collectively in our country. And then secondly, I think the advent of the internet and the availability of a barrage of information has made worry even worse. I mean, really, if you don't want to, you don't have to go to the doctor anymore. Just go to WebMD, right? And you can find eight things that might be wrong with you. Uh, People self-diagnose all the time, don't we? Uh, we, we get this ache, this pain, and we go looking for what perhaps it could be. Information comes at us fast. Uh, the news, 
just riding home with my son from school the other day, and he said to me, Dad, uh, this was maybe three weeks ago, did you know the government is going to shut down this week? I thought when I was 15, I didn't know that was possible. And I looked at him and I said, oh, son, that happens every year. Don't worry about it, right? That's what I said. Every year they shut down. They don't really. It'll keep going. You know, don't worry about it. And he was like, okay. And then, you know, we went on our merry way. But I found it interesting that he knows that, right? I'm guessing that if you're older, when you were 15, you weren't exposed to news as our kids are. You weren't exposed to all of the breaking things as our kids are. She identifies in her, in her second chapter uh, categories of worry. She calls the chapter aptly our worried world. And so let me uh, just share some of those. Uh, manufactured worry. Uh, I call this breaking news worry, right? Every night there's breaking news. And then when it breaks, you're like, really? You kept me watching for that. That's, that's manufactured worry. Work worries, uh, that varies. How about parenting worries? They're huge, aren't they? And you know, uh, the, I talk to parents of adult kids, and they don't go away. I, 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 I'm sorry to tell you that if you're thinking, oh, they'll grow up, and then all my worries will be gone. No. All right, so uh, I, I'm told that doesn't happen. Civic worry, that would be worry over our country. Too much information I've touched on already. Social media, social media creates a lot of worry, a lot of comparisons, those kinds of things. Celebrity causes, are you guys ready for, for this season of let me guilt you into giving commercials to be over, right? They're, they're, they show you awful things and make you feel guilty. Celebrity causes worry, marketing messages, insurance industry, Insurance industry uh, worry, all the things that could happen, right? That's what insurance now shows you, all the ways you could die in your car. Um, legal threats, constant choices, constant choices. We're experiencing this, as you saw in my ad, uh, I mean, my little thing on Facebook, uh, our kitchen flooded, it, it did, and uh, on Black Friday, which now is really Black Friday in our world, um, uh, we discovered that all our tile had cracked, uh, all of it. So we go, I, I just go digging. I don't know how to fix anything, but I can tear anything up. So I just go digging up the tile and go down underneath and discover that just water is everywhere and mold is everywhere. And so company has to come in, mitigate the mold or whatever. So we'll put cabinets back in, right? Fix it. No, not so easy. Uh, we discover that our electrical is terrible. And my house was built around 1900, have four coal-burning fireplaces. It's not far from the coal-burning uh, uh, trains that used to run. And so here's the picture. That's me. Yeah. It looks like I'm doing a commercial for Crest White Strips. Um, but, but really, what it is is soot from all over my house. And so uh, that's, uh, that's me working in the house. To the left, this is the wiring we discovered in our house. So you can tell that if the water hadn't gotten us, the fire was about to, right? So we've been without a kitchen all of this time. And then trying to put it back together, I had no idea you had this many choices, right? So somebody, you know... How do you want the edge of your countertop? Who cares? 
It's a countertop. Just give me one edge. Just one edge. Don't give me that choice. I just didn't know that that really mattered right? I'm blown away by all the choices. It's like walking down an endless cereal aisle. And you look and go, they make this much cereal, right? And so we have constant choices. And then she ends with what she calls, and I agree, good Christian worry. Do you know what good Christian worry is? Prayer request. It is, right? People verbalize their worry through prayer requests. Did you hear? Like nobody stops to pray. You just worry together, right? That's how it is. And so worry is real. It is a very real problem. And I'm serious with you this morning that I'm praying that God changes me through this series. I'm praying that this new year begins with something in me that I can enjoy the moment more, that I can enjoy the present without worrying about the future. I'm serious. I'm praying God do this in me. And so Micah here comes to the end of, uh, of this uh, uh, book that he's written, these oracles, these psalms, these songs that he has written, and, and he has all kinds of reasons to worry. But verse 7, if you write in your Bible, underline, highlight, I love it, but as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation, my God will hear me. I will look, I will wait. Uh-oh. Guess what word we hate in America today? Wait. <gasps> yes, you might have to wait. I know it's a shocker if you're young in here, but back in the day, you waited while people cooked your food. Yes, like you didn't get it right away. There were no drive throughs You went in a restaurant and you sat down and you ordered and then they cooked it and then they brought it to you. Novel idea, I know, but that's how it is. We do not want to wait. As a matter of fact, if you live in certain cities, you can order Amazon and get it within an hour now. An hour if you're a member of Amazon Prime, just two days, whatever you order, right? We do not like to wait, but today I'm going to talk to you about worry-free waiting. What worry-free waiting looks like. Number one, faces problems honestly. Micah has been pronouncing woes on everyone else until chapter seven, and then he says, woe is who? Me. Woe is me, he says, here's how I feel. I've gone to the vineyard to get me some grapes, and even the gleaners have come through, and there are no grapes to eat. I'm hungry, I go to the vineyard, there's nothing to eat, and then he continues to describe the plight of his people, and this is not easy, pleasant stuff. He says, the godly have perished, there is no one upright among mankind. People are hunting one another and hurting one another. They are trying to become good at doing bad. People are trying to become good at doing bad. The politician, the prince, and the judicial branch, the judge, are conspiring. 
But then this is where it gets awful. Friend, wife, son, daughter, daughter-in-law cannot be trusted, he says. Sons are turning on dads. Daughters turning on moms. Husbands can't trust wives. He says, put no confidence in a friend. This is total corruption. No one can be trusted. No one can be depended on. Say, Micah, why you paint a picture so drear? Why you paint such an ugly picture? Please hear me. You cannot solve a problem you refuse to admit exists. You cannot solve a problem that you refuse to admit exists. Counselors call this denial, right? Denial is the first stage in grief. When you've lost a loved one, at first you you say, no, no, they didn't die. Denial is a stage if you're going through divorce. No, this isn't happening to me, you say. Even if you look at Alcoholics Anonymous, their first step in their 12 steps is this. We admitted we were powerless over our addiction that our lives had become unmanageable. So I ask you, what are the real problems you're facing? This series and this sermon are not intended to sugarcoat them. No. Not intended to have a Pollyanna kind of approach to say, no, my problems don't exist As a matter of fact, I have a pointed question for you. What is the one problem you would like to see solved in 2018? What is the one problem, the one thing that gives you angst, that breaks your heart, that complicates your life? Be real about that. Christians are real people with real problems. You're allowed to have real problems. Worry-free waiting faces problems honestly. Secondly, worry-free waiting believes promises fully. Believes promises fully. Scholars believe uh, verses 8 to 20, uh, which are in the first person, really are Micah's singing the song of all the people. So it's a communal song. Everybody is singing verses 8 to 20. It's like the the scales have been removed from their eyes and all of a sudden they see their sinfulness and they see how they've rejected God and they see how they've turned against him and God becomes clearer. Did you know that sin camouflages the goodness of God? It does. On more than one occasion, I've sat with folks in uh, my office who are deep in sin. They're, they're, they're in the wrong. They're, they're doing wrong, and they're not done yet. They still like their sin. They still like what they're doing. And do you know what happens if I call them out often? They get angry. They blame God. They have a narrow view of God as if, as if uh, God's the reason for their sin. If they have a family member who's trying to speak truth to them, uh, they call their family member names. 
right, they're self-righteous. They're holier than thou. Why? Sin camouflages the goodness of God. This is why it shouldn't surprise you to see kind of all the rages that exist in the world today, right? No lie. All of this happened within a week. I took my sister back to the airport, and I'm getting back on the interstate, and as I am, there is a white pickup and a white minivan behind me, and they're trying to figure out who's going to be first. All right? You get me? And I look in my rearview mirror, and they literally, I think, are this far apart. And one swinging this way, and one swinging that way. Well, the pickup won. I get on the interstate, and the pickup comes over around me, and it's just flying right down when I look and see mom in minivan, not happy. She comes flying around me, mom in minivan, all right? Mom in minivan, don't miss that. She comes flying around me. She is leaning down. You know how minivans have these massive windows, right? You could set up a nativity scene in the front of them. And so, uh, so she's leaning down. Her face is all the way in the, 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 the windshield of that. She's tailing this truck, and she's using her hand in a way that I cannot demonstrate for you today. Mom in minivan. And it went on until the truck just ran off, you know, took the exit. I don't know how long she had one hand on the wheel and one hand up in the air. No lie. Uh, sin camouflages the goodness of God. It does. We shouldn't be caught by surprise. But the next one, I don't know whether to laugh about this or cry or be mad. But no lie, I was in Lowe's and I left. And I got in my Jeep, and I'm just leaving, just minding my own business. And I'm driving kind of toward the store, turn left, and go that way, you know, to come up Highway 70, when this guy walks across in front of the Jeep. And so I stopped, right? He's walking across, and I don't know what this means, and I'll never live this down. But in the, my headlights, he went like this to me. And I thought, is that somebody I know? And, <laughs> like, they're trying to... You know, just be crazy, and that happens occasionally. So I just kind of smiled and uh, thought, I'll wait till he gets around. Maybe I'll recognize him. So he gets around the Jeep, and I didn't recognize him. So I thought, it's time to move, right? So he yells at me, and I don't know this dude. And he says, you want some of this? <laughs> what? Like some of What? You know, you're smaller than me. So what? What do you got? You know? And I'm like, no. You know? So I just immediately through my mind, I thought, you know, it doesn't matter how this turns out, but preacher and fight in the same sentence will never end well. And so, so I just pull on out, at which point he charges my Jeep and punches it. No lie. I've never seen this dude in my life. I'm like, what are you doing right now? Punching my Jeep? I'm just trying to leave Lowe's. Who are you, right? I have no clue who he is. I didn't turn around to go figure it out, right? I thought one day he'll show up in church and either go, ooh. <laughs> That's the guy's Jeep I punched. But at any rate, 
Why in the world do people do crazy things? Sin camouflages the goodness of God. It does. You can't see his goodness for our sin. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel. Wow. The God of this world has blinded the eyes of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Do you know some of you are sitting here and this is ringing true. You realize your own sin has blinded you to the glory of God. Notice what the people say. I love it. This community song, When I Fall, we could understand it. When we fall, we shall rise. The Lord will be a light to me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him. Oh, if that's where you are this morning, welcome. We're so glad you're here. If you say, Jerry, I look back on 2017 and, and, and sin, sin's my big word, welcome home. We're glad you're here. Amen, church? We're glad you're here. He executes judgment for me. He will bring me out to the light. I love this little phrase, in that day. In that day. Do you know problems are present tense, but promises are future tense? They're all future. All promises are future tense. So whatever your present tense problem is, you have to have some future point of view. So with the blinders of sin off, people saw their future. In that day, if God has done it before, he can do it when? Again. You say, Jerry, how do you know? Well, they looked back for when, when their borders extended all the way to the Euphrates River into the Mediterranean Sea, and they said, that'll happen again in that day. Thursday morning, I looked out the, the front door, and I saw these things kind of pushing up through the pine needles. Honestly, if you drove by my house, you would think they were kind of like wild onions because that's what they look like but they line both sides of the sidewalk and they aren't wild onions. I put them there on purpose. Why? It's bitterly cold outside, but that doesn't matter to them because when I looked at them, one word came to mind, hope. Why? Because this is what they're going to look like. Somebody else might see wild onions. I see Siberian irises. They're a smaller form. They grow in a clump. They're gorgeous. And no lie, when they start to bloom every day, Wendy and I walk up and down our sidewalk every single day. We can't get over how beautiful they are. Do you know in the bitter cold how helpful that was to see them pushing up? For some of you, that's where you are. You're, you're between the problem and the promise. You're navigating something you've never navigated before. And God's word is full of promises. They're future. They're not now. They're future. And, and so what spans the distance between the now and the future is faith. It's faith. 
That's what builds the bridge. That's what fills the gap. That's, that's what gets you from here to there. It's faith. It won't be feeling. You may not feel it. You may. You may not. It's faith. When I look out and I see what appears to be green onions, and I know it's going to be Siberian irises, it's, it's trust in, in that bulb to produce that flower. It's, it's faith. There's not much feeling there. But it connects me to a feeling of when they bloom. And Wendy and I walk up in the spring air down the sidewalk and see it. And when we do, I look at that and go, wow, God, look what you've done. But the question is, can I say, wow, God, look what you're doing before they bloom? Does that make sense? That's faith. Three, worry-free waiting, trust God completely. Verse seven, it's big. If you're memorizing scripture in 18, you ought to be, but as for me, you ought to memorize verse seven. Uh, But as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. All right, please hear me. I believe in the sovereignty of God. I would think it's stronger, stronger than anyone in here. I really do. God is in control. He is in charge. I believe in the free will of man that we make choices for which there are consequences. Scripture teaches both, and here we see it. There are two I wills followed by my God will. Some of you, just by being here this morning, have acted already. I know that. You're not normally here. You're not normally in church. It's the first Sunday of the new year. Glad you're here. That's your I will. Do you know God will meet that I will with his own I will? That's what this says. I love that. But as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. I love that. Christmas Eve, this young man showed up and uh, he sat he was sitting toward the back and then I went and talked to him and he moved up toward the front. And so I discovered that uh, he was homeless. He was here at the 9 a.m. service, uh, Tim and Teresa Park, who are in Israel. Tim and Teresa were driving in from Old Fort when they saw him hitchhiking and uh, they picked him up and said, would you like a ride? And he said, yes. And they said, it's to church. And he said, okay. So he came. His name's Joey. So he came. Turns out the night before he had slept on the other side of one of those sand piles coming down Old Fort Mountain. So that's where he had slept. Bitterly cold. So uh, Joey came and, well, since Tim and Teresa were singing in the choir, he had to stay for the 11 o'clock service. And so then I invited him home for lunch. Not my house, of course. We, that'd be, you know, something in a box to my mother-in-law's, and so he ate lunch, and then I took him to the house, and he cleaned up, showered, and gave him some clean clothes and stuff, and he took a nap, but then I had to wake him. I said, listen, I'm sorry, you're with the preacher. We're going back to church. (laughs) So the poor kid got Christmas Eve three times, right? Same service, three times. So then Tim and Teresa, they live in Florida, but they own a home up here, and they have a little cottage beside their house, and they put Joey there uh, Christmas Eve night, and Joey did Christmas with them Christmas morning and uh, day. 
And then on uh, the next morning, uh, they brought Joey to my office. So I said, Joey, I want you to, to, to think about what it is that you want out of life. What do you want? And I want you to write it down for me, and, uh, and then we'll, we could talk. He said, okay, I have what he wrote. He said, I am hoping to be able, he's 24, I am hoping to be able to find a better way of being able to get out of the position that I am in so that I may have a better future, so I may be able to get out of the streets and back into a house, so I will no longer be homeless, so I can get a vehicle, so I will be able to go and find work. I am trying to find a way of bettering myself to be able to have a good life and get out of the position I am in and back into a good life, one that is prosperous and fulfilling with no regrets. Hopefully a life with more opportunities. So he handed that to me, and I had done a little research. He had allowed me to do a background check on him, and I had done that, and done a little research, and, and he had been honest about everything, and super nice kid. And so he, his ID had expired. He's never had a driver's license. So I said, you've got to get an ID. If you don't get an ID, you can't get a job. I had a potential employer already. Uh, as a possibility for him. So I said, Joey, this is what this is going to look like. We, we don't give handouts here, but we'd love to give you a hand up. And, and so uh, I reached out to Lisa Sprouse and to Brandon Hawkins and uh, for some counsel and advice. And I said, so this is what it looked like. We'll, we'll put you up until you get your ID. And uh, there are some odds and ends work you can do. And uh, once you get your ID, you can apply for a job. And uh, once you apply for a job, you can build up enough money to get a car and you can get a license and you can move on. What do you want to do in life? He had told me career he wanted to do, that kind of thing. And he had kind of a blank stare on his face. And uh, I said, or I could put you up in a hotel and uh, you can be on your way in the morning. Joy, it's your decision. And he looked at me and said, put me in the hotel. Wow. I said, you sure about that? He said, yeah. As a matter of fact, it was like a load lifted off his shoulders. I said, okay. So we found a hotel. I use that word loosely. It's not really hotelish. But we found a place for him to sleep, took him there, hugged his neck, said, you know where I am, come find me, and give me those nice blue jeans I gave you. No, I didn't say that. But anyway, right. I didn't say that, I promise. Uh, so next day, Ian Gillen calls me, and Ian says, Jerry, I saw Joey. I said, yeah. He said, I was going down bypass saw him I stopped talked to him said where are you going he said going to the interstate trying to make his way up to New Jersey do you know what that was all I could do for Joey it is every cold day I've thought of him could you imagine this weather See, without an ID, you can't get in a shelter. Could you imagine? 
have been so privileged to walk with people for so long now. Here's some things I've learned. I can't pray your prayer of repentance. You have to. I can't pray your prayer of trust. I can't pray your prayer of dependence. I cannot pray your prayer of faith. I I can't do for you what has to come from your heart. This room is full of educators who have seen kid after kid that they saw more in than that kid saw in themselves. And it's heartbreaking. And your heart should never get hard to that. But we cannot do for others what they must do for themselves. And so there are you sitting here this morning, and this is your but as for me moment. This is it. How do you finish that sentence? How do you finish that? But as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait on the God of my salvation, Micah says. Would you bow your heads for a moment? Nobody is looking around at all. This is honestly intended to be a moment between you and the Lord. And I will, I'll look so I know how to pray. If you're in here this morning and you say, Jerry, I must have a but as for me moment. I am not here accidentally this morning, and God right now is dealing with me. And I know it's Him. I know it's Him. And I today am willing to say, but as for me. And then I'm willing to pray what I need to pray to be right with Him. Would you slip up your hand right now? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you, yes, thank you, thank you. Are there others? Thank you, yes, thank you, thank you, yes, thank you. But as for me, God today, yes, thank you. But as for me, thank you. Thank you, thank you. God right now is saying, don't leave the way you came. Don't leave the way you came, but as for me. Thank you. 
Who else? Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Wow. All right, look at me for a moment, all of you. I want to tell you a story, and we're going to close with a song we're all going to sing together. Then I'll be up here, and I'd love to talk with you. However long that takes, I mean it for all of you who want to. Louisa Stead was her name, born in 1850. In 1871, she moved to the United States to Cincinnati, of all places, attended an Urbana camp meeting where God called her to be a missionary. Louisa married. She and her husband had a daughter named Lily. One day, they, they had not made it to the mission field, yet they were at Long Island on a picnic when a young boy they saw drowning. Louisa, her husband, ran into the waters to save this young man. And in so doing, both of them died. The boy and her husband. And so in the 1890s, 1880s and 90s, she was a single mom. It is then that she penned the words of an old hymn we're going to sing together as an act of faith this morning. She would later go to the mission field, she and her daughter, to Zimbabwe, and serve there, meet her new husband there. She became ill. They came back to the States. He pastored. She got better. They went back. And it is said that many years after You could go back there and hear in their language this song. And so we're going to stand and sing it together for some of you who lifted your hand. This is, these words are huge.